listening to First Church Charlotte. guys know Devante. He was here in the 9 a.m. If you missed him, you missed him. Uh, but you'll survive missing him. Just don't miss Jesus, my God. <laughs> so, uh, great to have all of you. Great to have all of you today. It's an honor to teach or preach the Word of the Lord, and we want you to have a beautiful, uh, beautiful, how shall we say, uh, you need an interaction with God. I want you to have an interaction with God today. I don't want you just to like, yeah, that was good, and oh, they sang good, and uh, preacher did a magnificent job. I want you to have a sense that, that God stopped by, and he touched you, and you feel like a little bit of a different person, or a whole lot of a different person. And so this is the last Sunday of 2017. We are putting this year behind us. It's a little bit of a shock that 2017 is over. I thought that we agreed it would last six more months, but alas, uh, it is over. And unfortunately, I am one year older. Uh, that discourages me to a very large degree. And yet here we all are. This is what I want you to see. And this is what I want you to claim 2018 is going to be a great, great year. And so I'm going to uh, teach, preach, however it happens, a little bit about that today. And I want to say thank you, first of all, to our praise team and band. Um, Jeremy and Megan, as you know, we're on going to a, a funeral. Uh, Jeremy's grandmother passed away, so let keep them in your prayers. Uh, but we have enough talent in our team that we can just flow on and continue and just, it's all good. We have a lot of talent. I thank them for, for their help. Also, I want to say thank you to uh, Brother Dewan for taking care of Sunday while I was gone. I'm always proud when my son does a good job and... Um, if you look close, he looks a little bit like me. Uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's right. But that's before me and Sister Purple were in the church, so. That's. That. We have since repented of our sins and accepted Christ as our personal Savior. But we got something good out of it in Dewan. <laughs> if the bishop would have been here, I'd have never made that joke. <laughs> it was fun, though, wasn't it? It was fun. <laughs> uh, Brother Ed did a good job. <clears throat> He's not my son. <laughs> he don't look nothing like me. Everybody has a crazy uncle. So anyway, my uncle did a great job. I'm glad to be back with you. You're my, you're the, you're my favorite people in the whole wide world. I'd rather be here than anywhere. So, 
Let's get started. I'm going to read Isaiah 43:19. Isaiah writing 43:19. Stand with me real quick one last time. Stretch your legs before I preach for two hours. Isaiah 43:19. Behold, somebody say behold. I will do a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Ooh, that sounded good. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, ye shall not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Praise God. I claim it in Jesus' name. I claim it for First Church Charlotte. Claim it with me. Say, I claim it in Jesus' name. Let's do it again. I claim it in Jesus' name. Away in the wilderness, say it. Springs in the desert, say it. Now put your hands together one more time and clap, clap them to the Lord in praise. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So, every minister knows that holiday preaching seems to have a certain uh, sound a certain type. Uh, if you preach and it's Christmas, people expect you to have a babe in a manger. And of course, if you preach a New Year's service, people expect you to talk about the new. Uh, no one has ever preached New Year's service and spent the whole message talking about the good old days. These are the good old days. The old days weren't as good as you remember them. That's because you have carefully edited your memories <laughs> and left out all the crazy stuff that we used to do. <laughs> um, we, we, on days like today, New Year's Eve, we talk about this idea of uh, committing a year to the Lord. We talk about new things. We talk about new beginnings. This is appropriate. It is important for us to match our efforts and match our understanding to the context in which God has placed us. This is very important. In fact, it is a compliment to one of the generations of the nation of Israel, where in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, the prophet, the writer, compliments the sons of Issachar because he said they understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. This this is, this is quite a compliment to give someone. Because whether it is business, whether it is ministry, whether it is individual relationships, whatever it is that you want to look at and evaluate, timing is huge. Timing is huge. Now, I often have a fun thing that happens to me. Sometimes it's not so fun. But when I'm tired, I get words mixed up in my, in my head. And I will think I'm saying uh, one word, and I'm actually saying another word. My wife normally enjoys this Sundays after I have finished. And on some Sundays, I am just wiped out. Uh, two, two, the two Sunday services, and then I'll do first steps. By the way, first steps is starting back next week. So 
closer to our friends and our guests, our new people, you want to get to know the church a little better, please come to my First Steps class starting next week after this service. We have good food for you, good fellowship, and we get to know each other. So it's awesome. Anyway, after two services, 9 and 11, and doing First Steps at 1 o'clock, that's an hour. Um, And then sometimes after that, not too often, but sometimes I'll greet the French African service. And when I'm done with all of that, I am brain dead. You have never seen so much deadness as there is in my brain after I do those those things. And on the way home, I honestly am barely coherent. Now, I know it sounds silly, uh, but sometimes I literally cannot make words that I can... I have them here, I just can't get them here. And sometimes if you're sleep deprived, you may feel the same kind of a thing. I will... I oftentimes will be able... just basic statements. It's like I cannot get them, get them out. And one of the funny things I do is I get, when I'm tired, I get weddings and funerals mixed up. I will say wedding and I mean funeral. I'll say funeral and I mean wedding. This happens to me every time I'm tired. If we have a wedding and we're talking about it, I have to get ready. I almost always will say, I have to get ready for that funeral. Maybe it's a Freudian slip. Maybe on the inside, I feel like as a man, your life is over. Maybe I think there's a young man dreaming to see the world with a backpack, but he's been killed on the altar. (laughs) Having fun. My life is much better married than it ever was single. But marriage ends a certain type of ideals for both man and woman. Can I have agreement on that? Your life changes once you bind your souls in commitment to someone else. And so if I get words mixed up, now now timing would matter. Imagine I was at a, a, a wedding and I actually started with a funeral procession. Uh, We've gathered here to mourn together the tragedy that has happened here today. We have lost a loved one. About that time, mom says, I know, it's I've lost my loved one. You get the idea. Timing matters. If we do not understand the time, if we mismatch our efforts to the opportunity, then what we have is not just wasted talent. We have wasted opportunity. The Lord places in your life and in my life a certain set of spiritual opportunities. Those opportunities are finely weighted and calibrated by his understanding and his knowledge to match what he has called me to do, where he has called me to be, with my talents, my abilities. I challenge every one of you here today listening to me speak at you. I challenge you this coming week to walk into every venue of your life, whether it's friendships, whether it is your career, whether it's clients, if you're a a, a professional uh, or a consultant, you're dealing with clients, something like, whatever venue you find yourself in, I want you to tell yourself, God put me here. God has placed me here. I'm not here by accident. God looked at the need and then he looked in his toolbox and he found me. And he says, I'll match that individual to that need. If you ever begin to think that way, first of all, you'll feel a lift in your own valuation of yourself. Second of all, you will begin to see the need that is in front of you instead of just always turning inward and feeling sorry for oneself. And thirdly, by seeing with eyes of faith, you will begin to speak with words of faith. If you begin to speak with words of faith, it will begin to activate the power of the Spirit in your life. I'm preaching better than you agreeing with me here. 
I, I want you to see this. If you will see every moment of your life, I'm not randomly here. God needed somebody right here, right now, and he picked me. And what an honor to be chose, chosen by God for this generation. <laughs> The challenge that we face now are different than what the church faced in the 80s. It's not that we're better or they're better. It's just a different day. The big challenge in that time uh, was a response to the, uh, let me be careful with all of this because I don't want all people, I don't want old people to feel old and get mad at me. Hmm, somewhere a melancholy person is writing, I'm writing that down. An old person feel old. You'll get it tomorrow. This is what I want you to see. In the 80s, there was a certain set of pressures on the church, a certain set of challenges to that generation. And churches responded to those challenges. There was this huge thing called the hippie movement, which most of us cool kids are not that familiar with. There was this whole hippie movement. Um, it started in the 60s, but really it was the 70s. That was, if you remember the 70s, one uh, comedian said you missed the point of the 70s. <laughs> There was this whole hippie movement. There was a great, uh, how shall I say, attraction to the spiritual in the 70s. Whether it was take, drop, and acid and listen to the great folk music scare of the 70s. Um, whatever it was, uh, there was a comfort with the spirit realm. And there was a natural seeking. Now, not all of it came toward Christianity. Some of it did. Uh, but a lot of it went into Eastern religions. That's when Eastern religions became popular in the West. When that, that spirit spiritual surge in the 70s, and uh, the church was formed uh, by that. Why? They had a duty, they had a time, they had a calling, they had to serve their generation. Well, we have the opposite problem nowadays. We don't have a surge of interest in spirituality. We have this surge of the rational rejection of the spiritual. And in the same manner that in the 70s, and to a lesser degree, the early 80s, look at some pictures in the early 80s. They look like the 70s. They didn't get that sorted out till about 85. Thank you, Father. Anyway, the point is, is they had to meet the challenges of their generation. We have a different challenge today. There is such an attack from the rational upon the spiritual that really our churches must rebuild some of our teaching efforts to prepare our young people and our young adults for uh, a different type of a battle that will be going on on has already begun and will continue going. We are now fighting an attack, not of false spirituality, but attack of rationality. It is a humanistic attack where man is enough and we do not need the touch of God in our lives. I'm here to tell you we must face the challenge of our generation. If you grew up in that time and you hear preachers now talking a lot more about apologetics or defense faith or trying to get people to have faith or talking about these kind of issues, don't judge that preacher. Be thankful that he has a sense of the generation that he is fighting the enemy in. 
because this is the reality of our time. And so even in families that you would be shocked, there is real challenges of faith. And there's the real allure of agnosticism and atheism. I'm here to tell you, we must, as a church, we must hold fast the the, the spirituality that we love and we cherish. And at the same time, we have to extend a world, a hand to a world and a generation that in many cases is choosing rationality over spirituality. The 70s, they didn't care how you got spiritual. You could smoke pot and watch, you know, the cool designs on the sky. You know, you could drop acid. You could take, you know, smoke some hashish. Whatever you want to do. I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about that. I tasted beer in a can one time and spat. Uh, This is what I'm saying. We have to know the time we are in. And it is my prayer that as a church, we cannot just be effective in staying saved, but we can be effective in making an influence on this generation, uh, on these neighborhoods, uh, on this city. Uh, Grant it, Lord Jesus. And so, and so uh, we look to this year that will come and we think about it. It's appropriate for us to be reflective at this particular time of, of our, our year. I heard a, a little uh, kind of a joke. I guess it's kind of a joke. A man rushed into a subway, a transit station, and he ran to the ticket agent and he said, when does the 801 train leave? And of course... The transit uh, worker, you know, having a government job, was not inclined in any way to be helpful, so he said, at 8.01. The man said, yes, I get that, but it's 9.59 by my watch. Excuse me, yeah, it's 7.59 by my watch, it's 7.57 by the town clock, and it's 8.04 by the station clock. What time am I to go by? And the agent said, well, you can go by whatever time you choose, but you cannot go by the 8.01 train It left three minutes ago. Uh, this is the challenge we this is the challenge we face we must recognize the times and we must recognize God's moving through the church and through our individual lives in the time and God help us to do that so it is appropriate that the beginning of the year we take time to reflect and uh, in the process of thinking about this I remembered the story of Hezekiah and I was uh, past week I was with a lot of family and we have a bunch of preachers in the families so uh, we end up preaching to each other a lot we never pray each other through God help us, but we always preach to each other a lot. <laughs> that was a joke. You didn't last. I hate it when that happens. That was funny. I don't care what you think. Anyway, so with my family, they need praying through. That's all I'm going to say about that. But we're preaching to each other, and we're talking about Hezekiah, and the idea uh, from Hezekiah is that the thing he's most famous for is he prays. Uh, the prophet comes to him, and the prophet says, look, your time's up. It's about time to exit stage west. You're being written out of the show. <laughs> and uh, he he, 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 he's saddened by this. Most of us are saddened by the demise of ourselves. We love ourselves. Nobody's excited to die. Anybody excited to die? If you are, we have some drugs we'd like to give you, make you feel better about that, whatever's going on in your brain. <laughs> so, he's not excited about dying. He's not. And he cries out to God, and God gives him 15 more years. Now, obviously, what's the first lesson? Prayer can change God. I don't mean change in his essence because God is not 
does not change. He's immutable. But change him in his intent relative to our lives and our opportunities and our uh, plan. And he calls out to God. I, I want to, first of all, I want you to see that as a, uh, a scriptural example of hope and promise to every one of you today. Whatever you have, God can give you more of it. And I'm thankful for that. I truly am. Whatever you have, God can give you more of it. The truth is, this past year here at First Church, it's been a very good year. Thank God for that. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I cannot produce revival. If there's any preacher who can tell you he can produce revival, hide your wallet and run, because he's lying to you, okay? Nobody can produce revival. All we can do is be vessels through which revival is given. That's all we can do. It's a God thing. Somebody say, it's a God thing. You have to see that, because he's the one on the throne. We're not on the throne. Now, we can be a part of his work. I can't give anyone the Holy Spirit, although if I could, Lord, I would change some of you suckers. <laughs> um, but I can't do that. That's a God. Somebody say, it's a God thing. There's some of you I'd like to see you blessed this year beyond anything you expect. I really would. I'd like to see, especially those of you who I, I've seen perhaps struggle, and it, 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 it saddens me. It, it saddens me to see people struggle. Um, and I, if I could just, you know, I, I would, I don't know. What's the, what's the Powerball right now? $300 million? I would drop a Powerball right on top of your head. It would knock you out, and you wouldn't even care. You'd be like, knock me out again, as long as it comes with that $300 million. I don't think you should be playing. That's ignorance. But I'm just saying, I wish that I could have the levers of God. But this is one thing I know. I wouldn't make a very good God. And neither would you. There's one who is good, and he's in the throne. Can I have an amen? I cannot, I cannot do, I cannot, I cannot command God. Uh, I, I know there's a place in the Old Testament where the Lord gives uh, individual permission to command him. Uh, that was uh, in its time and its place. In the meantime, uh, we uh, serve him. He does not serve us. So let's not get that order mixed up. So uh, what I'm trying to say is I believe that this can be a great year. And it's been a great year for our church. I can't produce revival. But there's been a real upsurge of interest in our church this year. Uh, we've had some very effective ministries, whether, it's, whether it is things like First Steps or Prosper University or the, the small groups that have uh, begun to shine lights of Christian charity and love and acceptance all around our metro. A lot of good things have happened this year. And so I want to say, I want to say about that, thank God, to God be the glory, we want more. <clears throat> yes, that's fair, right? Uh, we want more. I, I'm thankful for what, for what has happened in first steps. We've, we've, had, we've had some of the best classes we've ever had. Uh, I want more. I'm thankful for what's happened in small groups. This last semester is maybe the best we've ever had. Uh, I want more. I'm thankful for what has happened with Prosper University. Um, it's so fun to work the door over there and see families walk from across the street and bring their kids. Never attended our church. May not attend it anytime soon, but they walk across the street and bring their kids and say, hey, here's my kid. Take them for a while, please. Keep them for a month. I love it. I love it. And they're real bashful, and, and some of them will stand out halfway down the building and then shoo their child toward us. And I don't even care. I'm like, hey! We're like chasing after them and all that. You get the idea. I'm so thankful for all the opportunities. And yes, say it with me. We want more. We want more. What has God done for you good this year? Think about it. You have it in your head? 
If you have to think about it, you're not living a thankful life. You should already know some things God's done for you. Get it right here and say it with me. We want more. In Jesus' name. Okay, so now, now that I've got you thoroughly on the hook of more, I am going to uh, uh, shift gears. There are two words in the New Testament, two Greek words, that both refer to new. We are comfortable with the idea of God doing a new thing. It is a theme repeated over and over in the scripture, again and again and again. From Genesis all the way to Revelations, we see this doing a new thing, uh, a, a new work. Even the Gospels, he's saying, a new commandment I give to you. Uh, uh, the, his critics are like, what new doctrine is, is this? Uh, Jesus says prophetically, you will speak with new tongues. He didn't just say tongues. He said new tongues. And uh, the New Testament in his blood and all the way, all the way to Revelations where the promise is that I will write upon him my new name, Revelations 3 and 12. And we know in the epistles that through Christ we are a new creature. And we know through Ephesians that we put on the new man. We've been changed. And Peter tells us there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And I love the end of the book, Revelations 21, the Lord says, through the writer John, behold, I make all things new. I love new. I love new cars, <clears throat> new hundred dollar bills. I love old hundred dollar bills. <laughs> but there's two words in the New Testament new. One is nihos. And one is kadnihos, kadnihos, nihos and kadnihos. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read a, uh, read a lexicon appropriately. So, two words. And one of them is just more in the sense of time. You're getting the same thing, and you're getting it again. Or you're getting the same thing, and you're getting more of it. That's one of them. That's nihos. But kanihos has a different connotation. It's not just more of the same, but it is something next level. <clears throat> it is something that is not just more of the same. It's as though the quality has moved up. And when you read all of these passages in the scripture where new is mentioned, it's not to say we're given more of the same nihos. It's to say we're given more of something that is so much better than anything we have ever had. So I want to say it in Jesus' name. I don't want a nihos of a year. I want a kanihos of a year. I don't just want more bad people baptized in Jesus' name. I want more than ever before. I don't want just more people filled with the Spirit of the Lord. I want a revolution of people filled with the Spirit of the Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm not just saying we've God's done good things for us and great things for us and we want more. God, I want a surprise in 2018. I want to stand with Moses and say, show us your glory, oh God. I want to stand with Moses and say, I think we can handle it. I think we can take it. I think we're ready, oh God. Show us.
us your glory. I want to stand over this altar and say I'm claiming an outpouring of God like we've never seen. Not just more of what we've seen. Not just Nehos. I'm looking for Kanihos. I want the next level. And I claim it in Jesus' name. I speak it by the promises of God. I claim it according to the authority of the word of God. Let it be. And can the church say amen? You see, here's the risk. If we just get more of the same, we think it's about us. Now, see, y'all didn't appreciate that because you haven't had your minds opened yet. But just a moment, you're going to say, hmm, that was better than I thought it was. Hezekiah, Hezekiah, 15 more years. You guys with me in the scripture? Hezekiah, 15 more years. Oh, God, I don't want to die. Okay, how does 15 more years sound? Here's the deal. Hezekiah in the first phase of his life. So we're going to go two phases in his life. First Hezekiah, second Hezekiah. That sounds like books of the Bible. Turn with me to second Hezekiah 17 and 6. Thou shalt make, Pastor Nate, banana pudding on a more regular basis than thou hast before. That's 8 and 5, second Hezekiah. Actually, that might be second Nathaniel, but anyway. Two Hezekiahs. First Hezekiah, second Hezekiah. In the middle is this prayer. God, I want more. Okay, here's the problem. Where do you put more in your sentence of request? You can say, I want, now, to be fair, and I'll talk about this. Well, let me talk about it right now. Uh, Hezekiah, to be fair, does not say, give me 15 more years. He simply asks for mercy, and God gives him 15 more years. So God has given, and now it's up to him to do something with it. But let's assume that God knew his heart. That's what answered prayer is, yes. And his heart was saying, give me more years. Okay? And let's assume that it's as we often read the story. But to be fair, in Hezekiah, he asked for mercy. God gave him 15 more years. God knew his heart, gave him his request. So, here he is. If in his heart, he says, I want more years, you can get more nihos of what you've already been given. Or, change where you put your more and instead of saying I want 15 more years you can pray it differently and say I want 15 years of more I don't just want 15 more years I want 15 years of more here's the problem Hezekiah kind of drops the ball in the last 15 years of his life now that I've got this side of the church prayed through, I'm going to go over here. And he kind of drops the ball. He kind of makes a mess of things. Now, I'm not unsympathetic to messes. As a pastor, I'm in the mess business. I didn't get a single amen. I knew this was the backslidden section of the church right here. So I'm in the mess business. If people didn't need help, they wouldn't need a pastor. And so don't just let me be your p- preacher. 
You've got to humble yourself and receive pastoring in your life. I hope to earn that trust from you. But I want you to see how um, Hezekiah, in his story, in the second half of his life, he kind of loses his way. Let's talk about the first half, or not the half, but the first phase of his life. He was a godly man. He was victorious. He was healed as his prayer request. He experienced this wonderful miracle. He had been promised a long life. He had a connection to a great, great prophet through Isaiah. He had seen tremendous signs of God's presence with him. He was wealthy. He was fabulous. What everybody here wants to be wealthy and fabulous, you know who you are. He was praised. He was honored. He was even honored by God. All of these things are good. But in the second phase of his life, when he got, he received more of the same, if you'll allow me to say it that way, some things changed in him. And we know biblically he sinned greatly in the second portion of his life after his gift. He was lifted up in pride. Pride is the chief sin of religious people. Pride is the chief sin of God's created beings. Pride is how Lucifer became the devil. Pride is the door into all of our good hearts. And he is susceptible to that. He's lifted up in pride. And of course, he errs and falls. Secondly, he becomes an individual of, of no small ingratitude. And he began to take honors to himself that really belonged to God. Somehow, his receiving more made him think and learn all the wrong lessons about God's goodness to him. Isn't it, wonder, isn't it amazing how the church has survived its test of persecution? That's the first three centuries of church history. The church has survived its tests of persecution. I want to ask you this. How well is the church surviving its test of prosperity? We survived the test of persecution. Are we surviving the tests of prosperity? Can we be blessed and still have an eye for a far city? Can we be blessed and still tell our children, look, I'm glad we're doing well, but I want you to get this. We are pilgrims and strangers here on this earth. Our life does not consist of this house. Our life does not consist of our cars, our Xboxes, our whatever game platforms we have. Can you see that we don't really belong here? We must survive this test of prosperity. And when Hezekiah was given more, it taught him all the wrong lessons about himself. And he thought he was the center of God's blessing and God's purpose. And therefore, instead of thanksgiving, he started nodding in satisfaction. Look at me. I am doing all right. I'm the guy who moves God. I'm the guy who gets more. I'm the guy who's blessed beyond understanding. It's me. And Hezekiah begins to lose his way in his journey of faith. He's lifted up in pride. He is tied and bound by ingratitude. He abuses gifts that were given to him. He takes favors and honors upon himself that were only meant to be given to God. He is exalted inappropriately in his own confidence. He has a carnal confidence and he begins to trust in the league he made with the king of Babylon. And finally he misses a tremendous opportunity to be a witness of God's greatness to Babylon rather instead he chose to focus on his greatness 
And so when the prophet came to see him, after the envoys of Babylon had left and gone home, the prophet told him, prophetically speaking, because you have taken this upon yourself, because you have taken the Babylonians into the private places of the temple to use God's anointing as a aggrandizement or an arrogating or an exaltation of yourself, because you have done that, they're going to come back and they're going to take them. And the loss won't simply be yours. It will be a loss to your people. You see, he thought more was about his value, and it never was about his value. He thought more was about him being the coolest kid on the school bus. He thought more was about him living better and having more and being everything he wanted. And hear me, if you hear nothing else I say, more was never about him doing better. More was never about him being the big shot. More was never about him being somebody. It was always about God's purpose through him. And the son that was born to him, Manasseh, during this time learned all the wrong lessons about serving Yahweh. He thought serving Yahweh was about him and not about the the, the call, the anointing, the mission of Yahweh. And the Bible tells us, I don't have time to get into this. The Bible tells us he led the children of Israel terribly astray and was perhaps the most evil of all the kings because the only understanding he had of his father was the wrong understanding. And this is what I want all of you to see. And this is what I want all of you to know. I want more, but it's not about me. Oh. This church wants more, but it's not about us bragging to some other church about what we've got. I want more people in this altar, but it's not about me acting like I did anything. I started out saying, I can't make revival happen. I'm going to say it again right now. I can't make revival happen. I want more, but it's got to be about his work and not mine. I don't want more of the same. I don't want one year more. I want a year of more. And in your life, I pray you can say in yourself, Oh God, I'm not content to let this coming year simply be a go-through-the-motion routine. But I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for your will. I'm hungry for your touch. We want not just nihos, more of the same. We want kanihos, a different quality. So for this church, I want to say it right now. I want the next level. I want the next level. And I'm hungry to see it happen. I want you to look at your life and I want you to let faith begin to stir within you and ask yourself leading questions like what would I do if I knew God was in it? What would I try for God if I really believed I was anointed? Oh, I'm making you nervous now. I don't even care. I'm in the mood to make you nervous. I don't even care. Ask yourself what you would give if you knew that God was going to multiply it. What talent set 
would you offer if you knew God wasn't primarily interested in your talent, but in your availability? Oh, let's stand. If you'd like to, why don't you begin stepping out of the chair you're in right now? I'd like you to come gather across the front. We're going to turn this whole place into a house of individuals saying, God, we hunger and we thirst after you. We desire heaven's will. We desire the arrival and the awakening of the kingdom of heaven in our respective lives, in our individual families, in our places of employment, and our friends. I wish that I could stir. I wish that there was a switch. You know, I look at all of these music stuff up here and I'm jealous. If you looked at these guitarists, they have all these switches down here. I wish I had a Holy Ghost switch. I'd be like, God's here. Push switch. Boom! Someone gets the Holy Ghost. I would get one of those switches and I'd put it right here. I'd have a switch here called, My God, That's Fine Preaching. And I would say, This is your day! I'd slap that switch and be like, My God, That's Fine Preaching! Get me a switch here for spiritual audacity. Someone who just would believe what God said. Oh, I'm talking to somebody here. You've been fighting and you've been resisting and it's time for you to start believing what God said. You've been resisting. You've been minimizing your talents. You've been pushing away your call. You've been giving yourself all of these reasons. uh, And I want to show up in your life. And I want to hit the switch as hard as I can. And awaken within you a sense that this is your day. And it's time for you to step into your anointing. And it's time to step into your destiny. And it's time for you to wrap both arms around God's will in your life. And say, I'm not letting go until you bless me. hear me today. You can can blame the singers. You can blame the musicians. You can blame the preacher. You can blame your cousin who was ugly to you over the holidays. You can blame people in the church who didn't invite you to the holiday party. You can blame, blame, blame. But until you get hungry, it won't matter how good the music is. It won't matter how good the preacher is. It won't matter who's nice to you or mad at you. You've got to get hungry. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody here today. You've got to get hungry. You've got to stir yourself. You've got to quit feeling sorry for yourself. You've got to quit telling yourself why you can't. And you've got to say, God, I'm hungry. All across the house, would you do that right now? Would you direct your attention heavenward? Would you lift your hands, lift your heart? Oh, God, I'm hungry today. I don't want more of the same. This is not about me and mine. I'm hungry for the next level. I'm hungry for the next level. I'm hungry for the next level. Oh, I wish there was some hungry people here today. I wish there's some hungry people here today. I want the next level, oh God. I'm not content to settle. I'm not content to do more of the same. I'm pushing onward. I'm reaching higher. I'm saying I claim it in Jesus' name. I claim it in Jesus' name. I refuse to be limited by my own expectations. I refuse to settle for my own level of confidence. I need a heavenly confidence. 
I need to speak to the enemy. I need to rebuke the devil. I need to lay aside the weights that keep me from my destiny. And I need to say, oh God, I'm hungry. Put a hand on their shoulder. Take their hand. Whatever you're comfortable with. Find somebody right now. Tell them I'm hungry. Pray with me right now. I'm hungry. Pray with me right now. I'm hungry.
Lord Jesus. Come by here, we pray, Lord God. I pray that these altars would see more people repenting of their sins this year than they've ever seen. I pray that baptismal would receive more people baptized in your saving name than it's ever seen. I pray this house would be a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit like it's never been. Lord God, send us all your broken people. We'll love them. Send us all the hurting people. We'll try to create a hospital environment to bind up their wounds and pour in the oil and the wine. The oil and the wine. Lord, I pray you'd bless your people that your kingdom might be blessed. But we're not just wanting more of what we've already received. Would you take this church to the next level of purpose and anointing? The next level of spiritual manifestation, miraculous demonstration, Holy Spirit working in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We will be careful. We will take great care to give you glory for your work care not to make any of it about us we will exalt you in this city lord i pray for all of the people that are being exposed to this church as we mentor some of their children some of them are never come to this church lord but i pray this is the year they visit for the very first time I pray for every individual coming to a small small groups. They've never come to this church, but they come to small groups. I thank you for those people. Thank you for trusting us with them, God. We're going to love them. We're going to love them like crazy. But God, I pray this is the year. I pray this is the year. Some of those people get their courage up and they come on out to the church where all those people get loud. any man but Lord when troubles come to them I pray they would hear the knocking of your your spirit on their heart I pray they would know this is a house where they're welcome this is a house where they will be rejoined to people of faith Lord Jesus I pray as people people of God I pray that within our hearts would be true compassion true charity true godly love just for the people like us think like us vote like us eat like us God I pray that be true Christian charity for the people who don't like us for the people who are our enemies Lord I pray we could pray for them with godly love say this in closing we're going to there's uh, i believe we're going to have some baptisms here in a moment by the way if anybody has not been baptized like they did in the book of acts or baptized or it's been a long time you weren't in a good place or you didn't do it of your choice and your will uh, we have we are ready to baptize you today we will baptize you like the 
like they did in the New Testament, <laughs> which is the best way to be baptized. And so, uh, I just want to say this. I often am aware of how the vessel can limit what is placed in the vessel. None of us are God, thank God. Uh, none of us, none of us are God, we, we can only be a vessel into which the anointing is poured. We are vessels of clay and anointing is poured into us. And thus we can constrain that anointing. We can constrain that. If we miss it, we constrain it. When the Jews rejected Jesus, they could not see that he was the manifestation of what had happened all through the Old Testament, that he was the one of whom the prophets spake. They were too lost in the dreams of their fathers, the 400 silent years. 400 silent years. They serve the Lord in ritual. They serve the Lord in ritual, and that's all. That's what you do when you don't have the Lord speaking to you. You just ritualize. And so when Christ came and spake like never anyone had ever spake, it blew everybody's mind. They didn't know what to do with it. So a human nature thing, if you can't understand it, you can't fix it, you try to kill it. <clears throat> that's what they did to Jesus. This is what I want you to see. To understand and help his disciples understand. He said this to them. You can't pour new wine in old wineskins. Why? They can, the old wineskin cannot, cannot contain the processes of fermentation of that wine and they burst. Are you aware of the fact that there might be some more of God that we are not allowing him to pour into us because we've already decided what he can and can't do through us. We've already decided what we're good at and what we're not good at so the anointing can't pour into you. You've already decided who likes you and who doesn't like you so the anointing can't pour in you. The wineskin limits the wine. The vessel limits the anointing. So, it's the new year and this is a great time for you to bow your knee and spend some time saying God don't let my preconceptions limit the anointing that's going to flow into me let me forget everything I think I know about what I can and what I can't do let me forget what I think I know about who likes me and who doesn't like me but Lord God I'm going to step out on faith and I'm going to say I don't want more of the same I want more of you in Jesus One more time, Lord, I pray your anointing upon your people. I pray your anointing to go with them as we go into our respective worlds. I pray your light would shine through them. Lord, if they have uh, uh, doubts and hesitations, I pray you would assuage those doubts and hesitations. And I pray you would fill them with Holy Ghost confidence. In Jesus' name, I pray it's going to be a great year. Somebody say it with me. It's going to be a great year. Come on, say it again. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year. In Jesus' name. bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for worshiping with us on your holiday. Have a great day today and tomorrow. We love you and we want to see you blessed in this coming year. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m and Bible Study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. 
We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.